You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. The second pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the New York Jets select Zach Wilson, quarterback, BYU. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to draft season. Not even Halloween. The New York Jets, one in five. Zach Wilson's hurt. Everyone's looking at draft boards. This is what we're here for. I got James Coots and Joe Ballack. Back with me, guys. How are we doing? Doing great, Meeks. Good to see you, man. I know everybody else can't see, but I can. You're looking good, bro. Really happy. Missed you. Missed all the other guys. Missed Dalbin. He's not here with us. We got a new addition who you're going to introduce, but pumped for the beginning of draft season, my man. How about you, James? Doing good. Super hyped to get the squad back together. Yes. We kicked Dalbin off the island, threw out his muni idol, and now we're joined by Dylan Price. Dylan, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, yeah, this is the start of uh, me with draft season. Last season, I listened to you guys pretty regularly, listened to a lot of your guys' takes, your debates. Uh, excited to hop on with you guys. For those that don't know, I'm, I'm kind of relatively new to the TOJ crew. I've kind of been with you guys for a year or so now, kind of freelancing a little bit. And now Dylan's Dimes kind of been a consistent thing, throwing my draft knowledge and nuggets out there. So happy to come debate and talk with you guys and yeah i got big shoes to fill though massive massive shoes to fill <laughs> yeah no we got a lot of confidence in you dylan and make sure to check out dylan's dimes every saturday morning great article boys this roster it needs some work and i think it's time to start a round table of a prospect each all of us love and want we see on the new york jets next year joe i'm gonna start with you who's the guy you're gonna be pounding the table for come april well, you know, we kind of come full circle here. On the last episode of draft season, we all were tasked with naming a player we're really high on, right? I think uh, James Wynn Booth, I don't remember actually who you picked me, I'm sorry. But the guy was like really supporting and trying to like light a fire under this whole, you know, future draft season cruise and the people listening to us was Aiden Hutchinson, man. I had him as a player who I said at that time could eventually be edge number two in this entire class. Now, you know, I don't want to gloat or pat myself on the back, but I'm going to anyway. But I'm pretty sure I'm the first person to say that. And if Aiden is, is listening, give me a call. There's a, a big love affair there between me and you. I actually pull you hutch behind closed doors. I know you call me. Well, you don't know me, so you don't call me anything, but that's okay. But yeah, man, I really like Aiden Hutchinson. And, you know, what more can I say about him that I haven't said about him already? I think he's really the most complete edge rusher in this entire class. And believe it or not, that includes Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, I think that Kayvon has more of an upside when it comes to pass rushing, but as far as like who's the most polished edge rusher coming into the class right now, I think it's hands down Aiden Hutchinson. You know, now people could ask, you know, why wasn't he being as touted this highly before? Well, I think that he was really kind of hindered by that Don Brown scheme. I think that Don used him in, you know, kind of doing a lot of that dirty work, you know, like uh, setting the edge playing quarterback spy, spilling the line of scrimmage and letting second level defenders come in and kind of do, you know, make the plays for him. And wasn't really showcasing his pass rushing ability. Well, lo and behold, maybe that injury he suffered, that leg injury was a blessing in disguise because he got to come back a year later and is now playing under uh, Mike McDonald, who's here from the Ravens, the new defensive coordinator. And he's kind of unleashed his pass rushing ability. And it's not shocking because he's kind of using him in that Matt Judon role. And he's taking it. He's taking that thing and he's flying with it. I mean, he is all over the field. He looks awesome. All the things that I was hoping that he would thrive to and aspire to as far as his pass rushing has absolutely come to fruition. And I, I think that, you know, if the Jets were to somehow land this guy, I think that we'd be really lucky, man, because I mentioned how he might be the most complete edge player in this class, but he's also maybe one of the most complete pass rushers in this class because you've got guys who are really good at getting around the corner, but don't necessarily have those counter moves to get inside. With Hutch, he could beat you outside. 
He could beat you inside. He could beat you by going through you. We saw even last week against James's uh, North uh, Western guys where he pretty much manhandled that right tackle, bull rushed him, collapsed the pocket, absolutely swallowed the quarterback. I mean, it was a thing of beauty. And then on another play, he did this like awesome move where he took his left foot, baited the right tackle into going outside, cut back inside with a swipe and an arm over, forced the quarterback to throw the ball early, got the quarterback hit. You guys should check that out. It was like, I think close to the end of the third quarter. It was, it was awesome. So I think if the Jets land him, I know we still have Carl Lawson. If Carl Lawson comes back healthy, I don't think that should stop us, prevent us from drafting Aiden Hutchinson. I think you have a line with Hutch, healthy Lawson, Hugh, kick JFM on these passing downs, and we are going to be wreaking havoc on opposing quarterbacks. And dude, I'd be pretty pumped. I love Aiden Hutchinson too. And I don't think anyone's made more money for themselves going back to school than him. What impresses me the most about him is for someone so tall, he's not stiff at all. He's so agile. And I loved your point about Dom Brown's scheme because we've seen players like, like Quiddy Pay, who wasn't really used correctly, like Rayshon Gary. And then once they get to the league, and everyone like always had their physical talents, but they were always struggling for production. That's not an issue with Hutchinson. And really, it's basically like they brought the Wink Martindale scheme. And they're just like, go. Like what we see with Jason Oway on Sundays, we're seeing with Aiden Hutchinson on Saturdays. So I'm really excited to watch him. Like he's just rising up the board. He was someone I thought was going to be a middle of the first round guy. If he's in a top 10 pick, I'll be stunned. I will say this about Don Brown. I think we have to get him give him some credit. Because he had Hodge doing all this kind of dirty work, which maybe he wouldn't have been doing otherwise. But I said he's complete, right? He could stop the run. He could play. He could rush the passer. And like he really learned that because Don Brown pretty much wouldn't let him do anything else, right? So for that, I'll give Don credit. But obviously, it's good they got rid of him because last year they had like nine sacks in total. And that was like the last in the division. So bringing in McDonald has been a, I mean, look at Michigan. Yeah. They're like, it's like a world of a difference over there with him there. Dylan, I'll go to you because, yeah, your Penn State Nitty Lions will be seeing Aiden Hutchinson at some point this year. What do you think of him? Um, I'm a little scared for when we face him, truthfully. Uh, you touched on it. He's agile as all hell. I've yet to really break him down and watch a lot of his tapes. I'm not going to talk too much on him. But, I mean, he's he is – when you look at the edge rushing class this year, which is very strong, he is one of the most polished guys. And he's not going to surprise me, like you guys said, if he's a top – if he's not a top ten pick. Well, yeah. He's going to be a top 10 pick. That's what I'm banging the table for here. I agree with you, Joe. He just has so many, he has so many traits you want in an edge rusher, but he also can do the other stuff. And he's got the experience that, you know, my guy who I'll bring up in a little bit from Purdue has as well. But you look at some of the other guys who have been more pure pass rushers that I think he brings a little more to the table. And I think ultimately it is going to separate him as well from the rest of the club rushers in this class. James, uh, you saw Aiden Hutchinson in, in person this past week. So what were your takeaways from just getting a live view with boots on the ground? Yeah, so, you know, I took the Greyhound to Michigan overnight just for uh, scouting purposes. And uh, my biggest takeaway was, first of all, I think anybody who's seen Makai Becton in person knows, like, how big he is and how he just looks like a, a doorway, basically. Like, he's just massive. And I got the same vibe seeing Aiden Hutchinson in person. He's, he's like, truly huge but apart from that I think the other things that set him apart are he's a two-time team captain both as a junior last year and currently this year as a senior um I think one of the things that flies under the radar is people view him as a prospect who is relatively refined with his hand usage but what sets him apart is that he's an elite athlete as well he's somebody who was right up there with Quiddy Pay, who was one of the top athletes in, in recent memory from Michigan um, and I think there were, there was like a report about Aiden Hutchinson being like the first player in like 24 years at like Michigan program to do like a standing Turkish getup with like 135 pounds, which like for people who don't know is when you're like on the ground, back to the ground, totally lying down, have a barbell in one hand with no calipers on the ends of the barbell to keep the weights from sliding off. And you like get to a fully standing position without letting the weights come off. So like. I think the athleticism flies under the radar with him and he's a great prospect. Joe and Dylan did a great job kind of explaining why. Um, so I just wanted to bring that to the table. Yeah. My last thing about Hutchinson and also, which is going to go for uh, Carl Loftus. There's nothing sneaky about their athleticism. They're just <laughs> pure athletes. The thing about but, Hutch too is he's incredibly intelligent. I mean, you see him barking orders on the field. He knows exactly what he's doing. And this defense needs a guy like that. Dylan, we'll go to you about uh, the demigod from Purdue. What are your thoughts on him? 
Oh, you want me to do Karlaftis? Yes, I want to see all about Karlaftis. All right. I'm excited for this one. I Actually, Joe, can you say the last name? I think you do it a little more justice than I do. George Karlaftis. Yes. The Greek god. I love this guy. So I had the opportunity to do him in our top 32 prior to the season. So I've got a lot to look at him then. And then I just did Dylan's dimes on him a week ago. I mean, he is, he's like you just talked about with Hutchinson. He's a well-rounded prospect. He's polished. He has a high football IQ, but he's also a producer. So you look at what he did in his freshman year. He had 17 TFLs, seven and a half sacks, 54 tackles, a forced fumble, and two fumble recoveries. He's constantly involved on the plays. He's got a high motor, and he's continued to kind of develop um, last year, obviously, he went down with injury, but this year you see it a little more. He's really taking on a lot more initiative on defense, and although he's getting a lot more attention from opposing offenses, he's still kind of finding ways to get involved, and off-air, I kind of talked about this as well. He's opening things up for everybody else, which is something that this Jets defense could also use. I know you do have a lot of guys that kind of fly under the radar, like Rankins, who may or may not be an impact player again next year, and I, I think either way, however you cut this defensive or this defense as a whole, Karlaftis could make a very, very big impact. And he's the kind of guy that I will be banging the table for from now until April, because he's just one of the more just overall polished prospects in this class. And I just like the way he plays. And I think the athleticism, high motor, I, I really think this is a guy the Jets could very much benefit from having on their team. Yo, he's not quite Aiden Hutchinson, but what are your thoughts on Karlaftis? Yeah, as, uh, as Dylan mentioned, George Karlaftis, the Greek god. I know two things about George Karlaftis for sure, okay? First, he's a relentless pass rusher. And second, he has a brother or a cousin named Nick. I guarantee you that, 100%. All right? All jokes aside, though, I also found out actually that George Karlaftis is on the Greek national team. because I think he was actually born in Greece, believe it or not. Yes, and then he moved here after. It means that this guy is both good in and out of water, which would be perfect for the sinking ship that is the New York Jets. <laughs> you really want to break it down, right? But again, really, all jokes aside, Karlaftis is a beast, man. I mean, he gets after it. Like Dylan said, he's extremely intelligent. And I mean, he looked, you know, pretty much unblockable against uh, – who did they play the other day? Uh, against, Iowa. Against Iowa, yeah. Um, you know, of course, we do have to take into consideration that that right tackle most of the time that he was playing against is probably somebody who can't even make a practice squad. But regardless, I, I love what I saw from him. He was awesome. And again, I agree with him. I think he'd be a welcome addition to the team as well. Yeah, it, going back to that Iowa game, uh, Karlaftis is the first player against the Iowa offensive line to have 10-plus pressures ranked by PFF. So the guy's just a workhorse. And another thing I love about him is there is no one else on that Purdue defensive line that's seeming him up, giving him the one-on-one matchups. He's the guy. Purdue, I think he like he was, I think he grew up like 10 minutes from that campus, so it was like the easiest recruit of their time. But Karlaftis is a beast. I can't wait to have that guy. He's just a wrecking ball. I can't wait to keep watching that guy and wherever he goes, I'm going to be watching. And honestly, I think he's a Bosa cousin. Like they're somehow related because his technique is just so refined. James, what do you think about Kyle Aftis? Well, just jumping off or picking up where you left off. I think one of the really cool things is that he's productive despite the way they use him on the early downs. They use him a lot um, as a three, four defensive end. And they use him a lot as a four I, which is a difficult position because you're getting a lot of double teams from the offensive line. But he does pretty well in those situations, which I think is a testament to his ability. I think the other really cool thing is, like, one of the under-the-radar headlines from last year was how Jason Owe, like, started playing football as, like, a junior in high school. And I think you have a similar dynamic with Karloftis, where he's relatively new to the game, but he's very good despite that. And so that's going to intrigue a lot of NFL teams because of the potential for him to grow into that, um, you know, sort of grow into football. Um I think Joe and Dylan and, and you, Meigs, kind of hit on everything. He's a really talented player. And I think the Karlaftis-Hutchinson kind of battle uh, over the next few months is going to be really fun to watch. So I'm excited for it. If we're going to compare the difference between the two guys and why I think Aiden gets a little bit of the edge over Karlaftis, I just think Aiden is a better athlete. I think yeah. Karlaftis has a little bit of a stiffness to his game that Aiden doesn't have. And I think that for me, that really kind of put Aiden over the edge as far as where I'm going to place them in my rankings. Yeah, there's no loser about uh, in that battle on who gets to pick who because they're both going to be studs in my mind. Now I'm going to bang the table 
for a safety. Yeah, I know. Me and James are the two guys. Positional value. Offensive <laughs> tackles, edge rushers, quarterbacks. That's all we care about. But, no, I'm so sick of watching this Jets back seven of just day three picks. And the guy I want to bring up is actually one of Dylan's classmates, uh, Jacon Brisker. He's, he's a modern-day safety. I think everyone the past 10 years, there's been the specialists, the guys who play single high, the guys like Jamal Adams who are always in around the box. And as we get into this Fangio, Staley world of cover two, I think versatility is incredibly important. And Brisker's a guy who can play in the box. He's, I think, PFF's highest-grade safety in coverage. I think he's allowed, like, one completion all year. And in that Buda Baker, Darnell Savage role, where you can, you can have a guy who can spin down, you can have a guy who can cover – even have a guy who can get into the slot. I think Brisker is the total, total package. So I'll start with Dylan. If you can give us any uh, updates for math class, but what do you think of Brisker? Uh, math class, you know, I, I'm going to have to check the grade book, but looks like he, he's putting in more effort, you know, off the field, strong student from a very, very broad um, perspective, but on the field, you know, I do have weekly home game boots on the ground here. And I mean, the guy's a freak athlete. He flies all over the field. He's got that high motor that we kind of talked about already with other guys, but that would stick out and really blend well within this Jets defense. I think my biggest questions with him, especially coming into this season as a Penn State fan and Penn State student was more about how he was going to really impact the game as the vocal point of the defense and cause a lot of disruption. And he has two picks this season. He's looked, he's been a lot more involved overall, especially in a post Micah Parsons world last year. And then now this year, and I think he flies over the field. And the big thing for me with him is that when it comes down to it, he is the guy that can make the plays in the box or in the back. Like you talked about Meeks. And I think that versatility is something that we didn't have with Jamal Adams and I'll kind of, throw a little bit of shade there is that in coverage he's a freak but also inside the box he's been able to make things happen he's well-rounded I do think there are going to be some concerns to his game and the fact that you see a lot of missed opportunities like this weekend they could have ended the game multiple times but I think moving forward once he gets to the next level he just adds so much value like that Buda Baker role that I think he he's going to be a very very good player at the next level Joe uh, Marcus May is probably not going to be on this team next year and um Sheldrick Redwine is not really an actual safety. So what are your thoughts about into the safety room with a guy like Brisker? Uh, listen, the secondary is in dire straits. And that includes the, the safeties. We don't know what's going to happen with Marcus May. We don't really know who Ashton Davis is, even though we had like 10 tackles last week. And I know like, you know, listen, that was, he was fairly productive, but there was this one play where he took such a horrible angle on Harris on this running play going down the field. And I was just like, man, I'm like, you can't be a really good safety if you don't know how to take angles at this point. I, you know, I was just like, and it really kind of turned me off to Davis a little bit. But what I like about Briscoe, and I like everything that you guys said, is that he could play multiple positions, right? And Salah wants guys who he can move around in this kind of positionless type of defense. And if Briscoe fits that role, then, then I'm more than open to it. I do have to watch more of him. But the fact that you gave him the nod, Meeks, makes me, it gives me a little, I'm a little optimistic about it. You know, you did, I feel like maybe last year you weren't like so on point with the safeties. You know, we could talk about that a little later, a little later but Dude, if... I think that since you do, you are, you have professed your love for him and I will give him a little closer look. But again, as you guys mentioned, just because he has that versatility, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm excited for him. I'm excited to watch him. In this house, we stand Jamar Johnson, Joe. I don't want to hear any slander about my boy. Well, I wasn't the Jamar Johnson. Then, then what safety are you slandering before? I'm not going to talk about it because he hasn't exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, Richie Grant is stunk. Yeah, I forgot about him. <laughs> but uh, now we're going to move to a player that James has been calling a top 10 pick since before last year's draft. The first person on Andrew Booth. Don't let anyone else tell you otherwise. James, take it away. All right. So. I, I want to paint the picture of why everybody should be as in love with Andrew Booth as I am. Um, what if I told you that there was a safety playing against or a safety, a corner playing against the top competition in the country who possesses 95th plus percentile athletic traits in almost every major category and who has ball skills that rival those of any top receiver in any recent draft class. And what if I told you we could draft him with our first pick? Well, I think most of you guys would be excited. And the guy who I'm talking about is Andrew Booth. Um, Booth is a cornerback for Clemson, six feet tall, 200 pounds. And he is incredibly versatile. He plays both press, he plays off. His biggest strong point that I want to talk about is his reactive athleticism. 
he is so good at clicking and closing on short passes from depth. And he's really good at matching receivers in off coverage. You know, I think I watched the Ohio State Clemson game from last year, and there was only one rep that I counted where Andrew Booth really lost the rep. And that was, uh, you know, versus Chris Olave running a post route where Olave was like, you know, running unimpeded at him for like 15 yards. Um, but apart from that, his man coverage ability is really strong from both press and off. I think the thing that just makes him such a strong prospect is his ball skills. It really is best in class. And I think that's what makes him so safe, in my opinion. The fact that inevitably when people throw at him in the NFL, he will have opportunities to make plays on the ball. And I have a very high confidence in his ability to come back with interceptions. And so for me, like, I think the worst case scenario for him in the NFL is like a Trevon Diggs like trajectory. And I don't even like Trevon Diggs, but I think the best case, and this is my pro comparison for him, is a career like Xavier Howard on the Dolphins minus the injuries. I mean, Howard is high key, or not even high key, like low key, one of the best corners in the NFL. He's just always injured. Like he's literally hurt every other year. But when he was healthy, he leads the NFL in interceptions routinely. And I think I see a similar trajectory for Booth. So I couldn't speak more highly of Booth. He's my guy. I want to really put my uh, my flag on the table right now for him. Yeah, Howard, anytime he's like, – his ball skills are unparalleled. And anytime you – like, never throw the ball near that guy's direction. But, Joe, there's a lot of good corners in this class. And picking ones that stand out, it's going to be really tough. What are your thoughts on Booth? I like Booth. I like his potential. But I think I want to pivot just to talk about cornerback in general for a second. I think a lot of people are kind of like – not as interested in drafting a cornerback early. You know, I think people are really focused on offensive line, even still edge. And I think that that's a position that we still really need to focus on, even as early as the first round. You saw even when we went against the Atlanta Falcons and Matt Ryan pretty much quick passed us to death, right? So the defensive line actually played a lot better than people realize, but Matt Ryan just had the appropriate approach and he knew how to move the ball down the field. And they actually would have scored more points if there weren't a couple of fumbles in that game. I think one of them by Hayden Hurst or both of them actually. And so we really need in those situations when our defensive line could either be neutralized by a good offensive line, or when you reach, have a quarterback who could quick pass game you to death, cornerbacks who could get sticky. We need sticky cornerbacks in those situations. The road to the Super Bowl in Lombardi, as far away as it might seem for all of us Jets fans, is going to be paved through teams like Kansas City Chiefs. And let's be, let's be real, even Justin Herbert and those Chargers, man, like that, that's, a, that's a legit bona fide Super Bowl contender. You know, we, we might see Justin Herbert hoisting Lombardi sometime soon. So I like the idea of targeting somebody like Booth because contrary to what a lot of people may believe, we need corners. We need them desperately. Even as early as the first, Meeks, I know you're not maybe, I, I'm talking about, I'm talking to you, Meeks, because right? <laughs> you're uh, the guy like we should wait on corner. So what do you say about that? I mean, this is a very good corner class, so I don't think you need to take the first one. And we'll probably get to that this season about spending a top five pick on a certain LSU cornerback who's been slowly declining, but I won't get into that today. Dylan, the Jets have played six games and do not have an interception. They are the only team in the NFL who doesn't have an interception. What do you think about adding someone with boots ball skills to their uh, defensive backcourt? Joe, I think we're going to get along very well. I think our positional values kind of align a little bit. I completely agree with you. I think any hope of this team making it to that point where we are legitimate contender in the AFC and nonetheless the AFC East is that we have to have corners that can, you know, actually make plays on the ball because I, I like a lot of what Bryce Hall has done this season and he has kind of grown a lot as an outside corner and really taken on a stronger role. And I think he can be a starting outside corner for the New York Jets, but he should not be the New York Jets number one outside corner. So I will not complain if they end up using a pick that is could be likely in the top seven on a corner, whether it's Booth, whether it's Stingley or whether it's Elam, because if you take the chance and likely hitting if it's one of those top guys on a corner I'm perfectly okay with it and Booth is a guy I like a lot he you know James talked a lot about the traits he possesses and there's not a lot of flaws in his game he's lengthy which I like and he kind of has that blend actually almost more of like a perfect medium of everything I've seen in Elam's game and then everything I've seen in Stingley's game where Stingley is a lot of the safe traits you want as a number one corner and then he also has that playmaking ability where with Elam you know he's very good impressed and he uses his length 
trained really well, but Booth can kind of do a little bit of both and he can hang with a lot of the top guys. And I would be happy to have him on the team, but I kind of goes back to the general thing with corners of that. We need to have a number one corner because yes, it may have worked for San Francisco a few years ago where you had those kind of collections of diverse talents that are all from different backgrounds and none are like superstars, but I think this Jets team is different and looking at the success this team has had in the past as a franchise, it's tied to having a top corner and they need to make a play, I believe, to get one of these top guys this year because yes, this class is loaded with talent, but it's front heavy and taking one of these guys, I think I'm going to bang the table for throughout the entire draft season. My favorite play Booth made so far this season, I was watching Clemson, Georgia, which was just an eyesore of a game. And Booth is always known for his ball skills, really fluid mover, really good hips. And he just, and Georgia tries throwing a screen and he just blows it up with a great tackle, launching shoulder, TFL. And I just love a corner that can tackle. And I love that about Booth's game is that he's not afraid to be get dirty. He's not afraid to hit. He's not one of those corners who's like, I cover, I don't tackle. So I love Andrew Booth. I would love to see him. I think there's four really high-end corners in this class. And depending on where the board shakes about how they want to, divvy up going after them but corners a position of need i think bryce hall as you point out dylan he's a cb2 cb2s are important but he's not trey white he's not jalen ramsey he's not xavian howard he's not jair alexander and they're the guys in this class with that talent andrew boots in that tier that they got to go after all right guys we're going to move on to the next in our final segment we're going to do buy or sell we're going to bring one prospect to the table that we have to sell the other three on that we want to see in the uh, Gotham green next year. I'm going to go first with a guy that I know James is a big fan of. And this wide receiver core, everyone was like Denzel Mims, Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, we're set the next three years. I don't know about that. I really don't. And there's this guy on Arkansas. His name is Traylon Burks and he's a freak, an absolute freak. He's six, three, two. They say he's listed two thirty. I don't know if he's quite two thirty. He's probably like two fifteen. 220, but this is the Shanahan Debo role of just a guy you just want to get the ball in his hands and he's going to run dudes over. If you put that guy in the slot, he's going to abuse slot corners. Get that ball, him, Elijah Moore, Corey Davis. You can really move those guys around. That's a nice positionless office. Burks, you're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. He doesn't really run routes. He kind of just keeps it simple. But I think you basically need a weapon in this offense. And Zach Wilson, you know, I love that he's aggressive. I like that his dot's high. You got to make it easier on the guy. And I really think building a room full of high-end yak guys like Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, Traylon Burks fits that role quite well. As James always likes to point out, he has five XL gloves because his hands are literally humongous. So really can't complain. He's not going to be dropping many passes with mitts like those. And he just had three touchdowns this past week. So if you guys can go out and watch him, he's a human highlight reel. And Jets need more fun players. So what do you guys think? Buy or sell? You no, know, because I'm gonna I'm gonna buy it. I like Traylon Burks. I think that he is, like you said, a perfect fit 
for this Jets offense. Like we run a lot of tight splits and you know, he could play that kind of big slot role. Um, we need a guy, we have Elijah Moore, but other guys who could kind of get the ball to at the line of scrimmage and have them do their work as far as the yak game goes. Get him the ball six, seven yards down the field again. Get him involved in that whole yak aspect of this offense, which we really haven't seen up to this point. Um, and the thing about Burks, which is really kind of deceptive, is like once he gets the ball, this guy's acceleration is ridiculous for somebody who is as big as he is. I mean, he could just run away from the secondary. And that, that includes corners and, and, and safeties alike and really turn like a, what would seemingly be like a short game into a really big game. So, yeah, I'm into it, man. I'm, I'm going to buy that one from you. We'll see, you know, in the future if I'm still buying some of your products. But this one I'm definitely into. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to invest. James, I know, I know you love Traylon. Did I, did I do you justice? You did do me justice, bro. And I think any time you can get a yak god on your team, you know, especially one who doesn't have an extensive history of illegal firearms possession and uh, a burgeoning rap career. I Shout think out to Tony, young Joker. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'm definitely buying. Listen, you're not into Codeine Dreams? What's going on, James? <laughs> what about you, Dylan? Um, I'm going to buy. I'm a little reluctant um, just because of going with Elijah Moore last year and how they've not really found a way to utilize him the best at this point in time. And it kind of ner- scares me if we're going to build the offense with guys like that and LaFleur is just going to sit there with all these toys in his hands and stare at him and not know how to use them. So it does concern me, but I'm buying. I mean, I loved him from the start. He's a freak. He is just a freak of nature overall. And he's fast. He's... Like you guys said, I mean, he's yards after catch, but he's also got that size where I think he's going to really transition nicely to the next level. And I, I buy it. I'm a little reluctant because I don't know how the floor would use him or I don't, I'm a little concerned, but I like him a lot. And the more tools you put in his hands, the more opportunity he can't kind of mess up, I guess. I don't know. I, don't I like to, it though. I, I want to I, touch on that a little bit, Dylan. I don't really think that's a LaFleur issue, really. I think that's more of a Kyle Wilson. Oh, I'm sorry. I say Kyle. Oh my God. Oh, Joe, yeah. come on, bro. <laughs> Zach Wilson issue. You know, a lot of people aren't talking about this, but this offense loves to target the middle of the field. And that's where guys like Elijah Moore and even Traylon Burks are going to thrive in. And Zach Wilson just wasn't good at that even in college. I mean, and he had the targets in college to pepper the middle of the field. He just opted not to take them. He always went for like either a go, a comeback, or, or an out route. That was like his bread and butter. Like I said, even when he had the targets available. So it's really going to be more about Zach understanding the offense, learning to read the middle of the field. If we're going to actually take these guys who fit seemingly really well into this offense, if it's actually going to end up clicking. And I think that I think that's more definitely, like I said, more of a Zach Wilson issue than a, than a LaFleur issue. I'm not saying he's DK Metcalf, but I'm not not saying he's DK Metcalf. Dylan. Hi, Key. Uh, yeah. Dylan, there's an LSU corner who you're going to have to try really hard to sell me on. So let, let's hear it. Oh, I think I'm going to be able to. This is a guy there. I'll, I'll kind of go through the sales pitch the same way James did before for Booth. If I could tell you, you could get a Trayvon Diggs level playmaker in a corner who's had success at the high school level and at the pro level. And he's hung or not at the pro level at the college level, which seemingly indicates a get based on the guys he's went up against a Heisman winner in Devonta Smith and Kyle Pitts, a guy who destroyed us when we went to London to face the Falcons a few weeks ago, he's had success against guys like that. He has been a freak athlete with 27 and a freak, I guess, turnover producer, 27 picks in high school, Louisiana State Football Player of the Year in high school, top recruit. Then he had six picks in his freshman year at LSU. And you know what, Meigs? I know this is going to be your case. He had a down year last year. He got hurt this year, but he's going to have the full offseason to recover, to get ready, to kind of build on the fact that at every level he can make the same case I did where he's produced. I think when you look at the kind of guys who can change this defense, like we talked about before, Joe, a true number one corner, a safe number one corner, a guy I feel confident with every week being able to hang with the top receiver. I think Derek Stingley's a guy I'm very happy with. He's fluid with his movements. He can hang with just about anybody. And even with a guy like Pitts who had size on him, he didn't really get babied very much. He's a guy I like a lot. I'm going to bang the table for him. I'm buying hard on Derek Stingley, and I will likely be staying with that throughout the remainder of the draft season because he's not playing again. So we're going off what he's had to this point. But I like the guy a lot, and I think he's my cornerback one. I think there's definitely room for Booth to pass him at some point. 
but I don't buy as much that this is a tight race between him and Elam and even Booth. I like Stingley a lot, guys. See, Derek Stingley hurt my feelings because he was so good as a freshman. He was so good. He wore the 24. He took away the entire uh, side of the field in the championship game against Clemson. Trevor Lawrence had the worst game I've ever seen him play in that game. Derek Stingley was a big reason why. I was so ready to give him the Revis comp. And his last two seasons have just disappointed me so much. that I, I, want, I, I want good Derek Stingley back. We deserve good Derek Stingley. Uh, I'm going to hold for now. I, I want I want him. I want to see that. I want to see him. Te- I want him to go to that combine. I want to see that four two eight with like a that six 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 three cone that I know he can do. But I I just want good stare Derek Stingley back. Joe, what about you? You buying or selling? So I'm not going to say I don't have some reservations because of what transpired the last two years. But when you look at Derek Stingley and you look at his good tape, it's like unmatched, man. I mean that's shut down corner stuff, and it's hard to like kind of you know waver away from that because. The Jets, I do believe, need a player like that on this defense. We talked about it. You know, Dylan mentioned that as well. And when you watch him and the way he gets like hip to hip with guys going down the field in man coverage and has the instincts to turn around for the ball at the right time, the perfect time, is something you don't see really that often. I think the closest to it was last year with Patrick Sertan, and you see how his career's taken off so far. He's been a stud. So I'm buying Derek Stingley. I like I said, I, I have some you know, reservations just because you know, there's been the good and the bad, but the talent is there. And if Joe Douglas took a chance on that talent, I, I don't think it's something I, I would complain about at all. James, uh, I know you love Derek Stingley, so let's hear it. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big Derek Stingley guy. I think if you're making the argument for him, the biggest selling point is that you've seen him play at an elite level, like a truly elite level. I know people throughout the term elite, 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 like – I think Derek Stingley as a freshman was playing at the caliber of a top 10 cornerback in the NFL as a freshman. I think that. And so for me, he's had a little bit of injury problems this season and he has played worse in the past two seasons than he did as a freshman, but I have seen him play at an extremely high level. And so, you know, like I'd rather take somebody who I, who I've seen that from than somebody who was kind of like ascending and maybe can get to that point, but we're not sure. So I love Stingley. I'm definitely buying. Joe, there's a mauler uh, at a North Carolina State that I know you've been itching to talk about. So give it to me. Yeah, I was going to talk about Ekonwu. I mean, the NC State guy, he's an absolute beast. I love. I would love to see him on this team. He's been mostly a left tackle. Obviously, that's not where he would play on this team. Uh, I think that he could probably make the transition to right guard, even potentially be our future right tackle. But I want to actually talk about Linderbaum. I want to talk about Linderbaum because he's I don't think Jets Twitter knows who that is. Yeah, you think Quentin Nelson? Twitter, and I think it's just a player we should address, right? So, all right, how am I going to sell you guys? Well, really, you, Meeks, on Tyler Lindebaum, right? If you had to name one player in this draft who's tailor-made for this outside zone scheme, it's Tyler Lindebaum. I was a heavy outside zone team. Coach Ferenc is actually a disciple of the Alex Gibbs slash Shanahan wide zone, and it's, it's a system Lindebaum has been raised in and flourished in. He was born to be on a team like the Jets and would seemingly hit the ground running and adjust very quickly to the scheme. Not to mention he's ridiculously athletic, which is obviously more important in zone and has some of the best lateral movement I've ever seen from an offensive lineman. I mean, it's special. I know people have heard this before, but it's, it's actually true when it comes to Linderbaum. You don't normally see guys move like this. Plus, he has an elite level anchor and he knows how to put his body in a position to win a block, which is really a testament to his wrestling background. You know, that's what I love so much about Creed Humphrey last year, just his ability to put himself in a position to win. That is exactly who Tyler Lindebaum is one year later, but a better athlete actually than Creed Humphrey, a better fit in an outside zone. Listen, he's just an outstanding prospect and would help this team exponentially. But what I really want to do is let's get into some specifics. Let's get into like really what happened this last weekend against the Patriots, right? First play of the game, we run the ball. Greg Van Roden, blown up, annihilated, little to no gain. Second play of the game, run to the left again. Michael Carter, little to no gain again. Again, What happened? It wasn't really Greg Van Roden this time. What happened was Connor McGovern couldn't get off of his combo block and get to the second level defender. And that's not the first time I saw that this year. Now I know PFF has like rated him pretty, you know, nicely and all that, but I don't know if they're really watching some of the stuff that I've seen. He's not getting off his combo blocks. And if you're not going to get off your combo block and pick up that second level defender, you're not running the ball. 
Well, here comes Tyler Linderbaum, Mr. Meeks. His ability to get off a combo block and pick up a second level defender is unreal. Let me repeat that. It's unreal. He's so, so quick. And this would really be game changing if the Jets had someone who could do this. He'd be pretty much a catalyst to this entire run game working and, and this entire offense would take off. Listen, you can't run outside zone effectively if you can't thwart the initial pressure from the interior. And this is where a player like Linderbaum is essential for Zach and really the offense as a whole. We need a Meeks. I hope you're buying. See, it's very easy to buy because we have the center legacy of going to Mawai, to Mangold, been in the wilderness for a little bit now, and then have Linderbaum for the next decade. Just the Seattle Seahawks. Oh, baby. Geno Smith is making that first round pick real, real nice. And if we got two top 12 picks, using one of them on a center is going to be tough to get around. But obviously the Jets are going nowhere unless Zach Wilson gets better. And anyone who helps Zach Wilson gets better at the end of the day, you have to sacrifice positional value if it makes your life easier for your quarterback. Because if you're going to contend in a conference that has Herbert, Lamar, Mahomes, Allen, you're going to need an alien, a quarterback. Dylan, what do you think of Linderbaum? Well, hold on I a second. Hold on a second, Dylan. Meigs, are you buying or selling, bro? I said buying because he's going to help Zach. Come okay. on. You kind of went on this thing where it seemed like he's <laughs> buying, but I didn't actually hear you say I'm buying. I, I said I had to. You got it for Zach's sake. Okay. All right. Okay. Sorry, All Dylan. Right. Interrupt. You're good. I wanted to hear him admit it because I love Linderbaum. I... I've had the opportunity by doing Dylan's dimes to look at a lot of prospects so far to this point. And there's not been a prospect that I've just enjoyed, like genuinely as a fan enjoyed watching this tape as much as I enjoyed watching him. And like you said, you know, they want to have success in running the outside zone. This is the guy you add into that offensive line that gets you to that point. And your biggest pinpoint with McGovern was spot on and it's been his problem it was his problem last year too where you're not going to be able to establish as much of a run game as you want because he can't get to the second level quick and you know you said like I haven't seen it or you've seen it frequently this year but if you go back last year he was doing it too and it was one of the reasons I've been banging I was banging the table for guys like Creed Humphrey last year and even going later in the draft because there was that void in our offensive line last year. And yes, AVT being here has been great and he has done very well to this point, but you get a guy like Linderbaum, your offensive line takes the next step immediately. He's a freak athlete. And I know I've said that multiple times about multiple guys today, and I'll probably say it up till April because there are some really great athletes in this class, but Linderbaum is probably the best one. And I love the guy. He made a switch from defensive line to offensive line. And it's been, you wouldn't have known he hasn't been playing offensive line since birth. The guy is just an absolute dog. And I want him on this Jets team no matter what. I'm going to be a big fan of this guy no matter where he goes. James, um, before you go, I just want everyone to uh, go on YouTube and uh, watch Tyler Linderbaum wrestle Tristan Wirfs and pin him in high school. It's one of the coolest <laughs> videos I've ever seen. But, uh, James, what do you think of Linderbaum? Well, um, I'm conflicted. Um, before I decide on whether I'm the buy or sell, I do have a question for Joe. And uh, no pressure. It's just going to determine the entire uh, decision that I make. <laughs> and I say it like somewhat facetiously, somewhat seriously. Um, like two years ago, there was a center who was extremely successful in college. He won the Remington Award trophy for best center in college football. Um, he was also somebody who was lauded as a perfect fit for an outside zone system. And he was drafted in the first round by an outside zone heavy team. And so far into his career, he's been pretty much a disappointment. And um, some of you may know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about Garrett Bradbury, who was the center from NC State, who's with the Vikings right now. So I guess, Joe, like, what makes Tyler different than Garrett? Well, I think Tyler's just an overall better prospect. You know, Garrett was highly touted and I actually liked him as well. But if you, if you go back and you actually watch him in the senior bowl, he played very well in a team scenario, right? But in one-on-one -on -one battles, he was getting lit up. He couldn't hold his own. You won't see that from a guy like Tyler Lindenbaum. He has probably the best grasp of leverage of any prospect this entire draft. And again, I think that's going back to his, his wrestling days. And I have a bit of a wrestling background myself. So they really teach you like where to put your body, how to get somebody on the ground, how to gain leverage. And if you watch him, he's exceptional at that, better than Bradbury was when he was in college. So I don't think you should have those same reservations about Linderbaum. They're obviously two guys who were, you know, yeah, they said they were both good fits for the outside zone. But Linderbaum's a different prospect.
different player, better player. And I think you should buy James. He's the real deal. I think I'm going to buy. All right, guys, we're going to finish the show with James talking about a wide receiver who in our Slack chat was dropping an Antonio Brown comparison. So James, take it away. (laughs) So the guy I'm going to talk about is Garrett Wilson, who is the true junior wide receiver from Ohio state. Um, Garrett was a highly talented five-star prospect from Texas. He was a freshman starter um, near the end of his freshman year for Ohio state. And for those who were watching the Clemson national championship game, he made a pretty sick play in the first quarter where he basically like climbs on top of a cornerback to make a contested catch. Um, So he's really interesting because you see him playing the slot for his first two years in college and you see him moving outside this year, which is obviously a desirable thing to see. Um, He has faced press coverage and he is excellent with his releases off of press. Um, But he's also equally adept at working into corners blind spots against off coverage, which is something that you always want to see. He's extremely athletic. He's very twitchy and has great change of direction. Um, you know, there's, there was one time I was just watching the Oregon game where he catches a bubble screen. There's a corner who beats the blocker right in his face and he sidesteps, he sidesteps him like it was nothing. Um, so the reactive athleticism is there. I think the guy who I would use to paint the picture of what type of player Garrett Wilson is, is he's kind of like a bigger Elijah Moore. Like when you think of Elijah Moore in college and how he's really twitchy, um, great change of direction and very skilled route running. I think you see a lot of similar traits in Garrett Wilson which is why there are some reputable people who, who say that he's similar stylistically to Antonio Brown. I do not, I would not go that far, but um, look, Garrett Wilson is a great prospect um, off the field. He was named the all American bowl man of the year for his community service and excellence in academics. Um, he was a three sport athlete who got division one offers in basketball and played on a top AAU team in Ohio um, during his off time. Um, And then lastly, I think one of the things that really stood out about him was when I was doing background research in high school, he gave up one of his favorite hobbies, wakeboarding, because, quote, my hands are my money makers, and he didn't want to potentially injure himself. So um, I think you got athleticism, maturity. Um, He's a great prospect. Dylan, uh, your Nittany Lions are going to see Garrett Wilson uh, this Saturday. Um, And I know as, as Halloween's coming around, that sounds like a nightmare. So what do you think of him? It is a nightmare, Meigs. Uh, I I didn't take much from you, James, to sell me because going into the season, my biggest thing for him, and he was the first prospect I did on Dylan's Dimes, was he's a great athlete. He's a superb receiver. He's had success at every level. He's a great guy off the field, like you said, man of the year. And overall, just a well-rounded prospect. But... I needed to see him play on the outside a little bit. I needed to see how he fared in a larger role. I needed to see him demonstrate that versatility that I hate to say it, but Traylon Burks and some of the other guys in this class haven't. He's done everything. He's checked every box to this point. I'm buying Garrett Wilson, and I'm not just buying him just as a prospect, but I'm buying him as wide receiver one in this class to this point to me, for me. I like Garrett Wilson a lot, and I really do believe he is the wide receiver right now that if I had to kind of match to the Jets the best. I want Garrett Wilson because I like Burks and I like some of these other guys that I'm sure we'll talk about in the coming weeks, but Wilson kind of fits the mold of, yes, he can be that Elijah Moore yards after the catch guy that we all want more to grow into with us, but he can also play that outside role that can kind of allow more to thrive naturally over the middle a little more. So I really like the versatility Wilson provides in this offense specifically, and then off the field and on the field, he's a great athlete and he's well-rounded. And I just think he's one of those guys like Linderbaum that I've talked about today that are kind of guys where I'm going to like them wherever they go, because I would dream of having them in the green and white joe you're an o-line guy what do you think of Will- wilson's a receiver i know divas receivers but what do you think of wilson well listen you know i kind of want to sell just because we've been buying so much i mean damn, <laughs> the laundry list is full I mean, I mean like but listen i i would dylan man wilson's my wide receiver one love this guy love his game he's a great route runner and he's got the body and the the, the potential route running ability of somebody i told james about stefan diggs man I see a lot of Stefan Diggs in his game. Now that's a high bar to set, but I think Wilson has that kind of ability. I love him on this team. You could use him in uh, trips. You could use him in bunch sets, get him some free releases. 
You could throw him the ball at the line of scrimmage on a screen, watch him do some of that yak stuff he's got. I think people don't even realize that he's really got really good vision as a, as a ball carrier. Like he has almost like running back-esque vision when he has, gets the ball in his hands. I don't think people know that about him. The one knock I would have on Wilson, uh, which is, you know, something that the other Wilson is really good at. You know, we, want, we do want to see the Jets eventually. And this is the whole basis of the Jets offense, right? We want to run a lot of tight formations, and we want to have a good running game, right? We want to force an extra man into the box, play against single high safety. You know, we're seeing a lot of two high safeties this year, and we're daring people to run. Where the Jets want to be the opposite, right? They want to run the ball. They want to force you to put an extra man in the box, play against single high safety, and now we can isolate wide receivers on the outside, right? So, and this is where Zach Wilson, this is his bread and butter, man. He loves throwing into the outside. So we could actually run the ball and get to the point where we are going against single high safety. I think we're going to see situations off play action pass where, Zach Wilson's, you know, peppering people in the middle of the field, but also going deep down the field and throwing his favorite pass, right? So I know I said a lot of good things about Wilson. This is where I have some reservations about Wilson. Now he can stack a cornerback and catch that deep pass, but the whole contested catch aspect of his game is somewhere where I have some reservations and where I'm kind of like, is he really a perfect fit for Zach Wilson? I'm not exactly sure. Like, obviously you could scheme and fit him into this offense and he'd be a great player. But as far as like the perfect player, I'm not so sure because of that. Yeah. uh, With Garrett Wilson, the first thing that always comes to mind is his body control is so special when he's in the air and he tracks the ball. Joe, your point about Diggs is so spot on. Even for a smaller guy, I think he's about six foot one ninety. He's really basically has CD lambs exact body. Although I think they're a little, different as players but his body control is special the way he tracks the ball I think the perfect example was in the Sugar Bowl last year when Justin Fields threw that bomb that was just slightly off and Wilson tracked it caught it no problem my biggest question for Garrett Wilson and was my coming into the year was when they played Northwestern in the Big Ten championship game and Olave was out he struggled being the best wide receiver on the field and taking the number one matchup and now he plays with two other top 10 wide receivers in the nation because Smith and Jigba is so good. And I will be talking about him next year. Yep. Chris Olave, we all know how I feel about him. He's my wide receiver one. Him and, Olave, him and Wilson are very, very close. Um, for me, I have a little throwback comp that I don't know if James and Dylan even know who this is. He reminds me a lot of Torrey Holt. And I loved watching the fastest show on turf when I was young. And Torrey Holt, that's a Hall of Fame wide receiver in my mind. And Garrett Wilson is so, so special. He's so, so sudden. And um, if the Jets take another – if the Jets actually do take a wide receiver, round one, um, he's at the top, top of the list. Boys, it was great to be back. I miss you guys. I miss doing this. The Jets, like, on Sundays, we probably – we we excited to watch Joe Flacco on Halloween? Probably not. But, uh, guys, make sure to please sub to the pod. We're going to be in the turn on the Jets feed that Will Parkinson's doing a great job with. He's had Steve Gelbs on this past week talking about the state of the jets and where to go going forward. I know a lot of people are frustrated and actually starting to question Joe Douglas and Salah. TOJ has got all the content you need. Make sure some of the badlands, Joe and Connor do a great, great job. And we're going to be here every week. And let's just hope we got two top 10 t- picks to talk about come April. Hey, I just want to mention one more thing. I'm going to be offering two tickets to every remaining home game game to draft season listeners. You can follow me at JoeJet underscore five to get in it. I'm going to tweet our first thing tomorrow for the Halloween game coming up on Sunday. I know it's not going to be as exciting without Wilson, but I do promise everybody that it's going to be very scary. (laughs) Hopefully they enjoy it. So we're going to be offering that, you know, obviously through here, through us guys at the pod and the draft season listeners, hopefully get to enjoy some Jets games, even if, even if the season hasn't turned out exactly how we wanted it.